Hello and welcome to episode three of the Get Spanish Football News show. My name's Tommy Hay and I'm joined here in a sunny Madrid by the editor-in-chief of GSFN, Kieran Quill. You've been very busy over the past uh, couple of weeks and finally, finally the, the transfer window is closed. Are you happy? Are you relieved? Or are you gutted that it's all, it's all finished? I don't know what I'm going to do now with all of these transfers done and dusted. So yeah, it's been a, a fun couple of weeks. Uh, the other day was mental with all the last few bits and pieces getting done and dusted. So yeah, it was um, a very interesting day and we're all recovering from it now this week. So it'll be back to the football, back to La Liga and we've got some international duty now as well to look forward to. So it's all kind of um, coming together. Clubs have finally got their squads ready. Even though we've already started the league, it's been a bit different this year uh, with the transfer window being pushed into October. So it's kind of added some excitement for fans alongside the start of the new league season. Yeah, that's it. Are you a fan of the international break? Or do you think it's a welcome thing from time to time? I, I've got to be honest, I, I do kind of prefer the just seeing the club football. But they obviously need a break. But Yeah, I, I don't like this one. No. I, I don't like it. I think it's too early in the league season. The yeah. players are only coming back. They've, they've just completed pre-season. They're getting ready. Clubs are getting their, their teams ready and, and back together as a group so it kind of comes at a bad time the early October one because they're being shifted off then with their national teams and I mean for some clubs it's it's good timing maybe they've started their season quite badly players are bang out of form okay go get your break and we'll come yeah. back fresh yeah, in but two weeks but I think it, it's a bit disruptive this early on yeah, I think for teams that have just begun to hit their stride, it's going to be going to be a little bit frustrating. Well, let's talk about transfer first because we won't be doing it for a while, uh, I don't think. But and uh, the the main one and the probably the most dramatic one was the Thomas Partey saga, which we thought was done and dusted. We've we've been thinking for about a month that it's done and dusted, and it turns out that it was very dramatic and not everybody's happy. Could you talk to us a, a little bit about that? Yeah, it was it was quite surprising in the end. I must say, because Atletico were very confident of keeping them. The fact that it went to the final day after months of Thomas Partey to Arsenal talk. We got to the final day and there was a picture of Partey on Instagram with the Ghana jerseys. And it looked like he was, you know, he was enjoying a day off of, of promotion for his national team and that he'd be well settled in Madrid for another season. But that didn't happen. And... He's moving to to the Premier League, which is pretty sad for Atletico fans and for La Liga fans. And for Spanish football, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a very, very good player and he's, he's become a top European midfielder over the last three or four years. He's arguably the most important midfielder there at Atletico. He's the one that kind of dictates the play between defence and midfield and he's become like the third or fourth name on the team sheet for Diego Simeone every week. So... Big loss for Atletico. They didn't get the time to really process this news because it happened with like four hours to go. So they're, they're, they're really frustrated with how Arsenal dealt with it. Basically, La Liga informed Atletico that he was going to Arsenal, which is a couple of hours to go. But Atletico have been told that they can get an extra month mm-hmm. to sign a player who's based in Spain or who's out of contract. So, so sort of the same as what happened with Braithwaite uh, 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 when Barca pinched them from from Leganes, they were able to sign within the league or mm-hmm. guys that were out of contract. Exactly. So it's it's you know it's some kind of consolation for them. They're 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 losing one of their better players, but at least they can go and and 
sign somebody else they've brought in Lucas Torreira from Arsenal so he will reinforce their midfield he's for me he's not as gifted mm. as Partey he's a tenacious midfielder he, he, he gets about and he gets stuck in but for me Partey he probably doesn't get the credit he deserves people think he just goes around busting people and he breaks up the play but he's not he's actually he's a lovely footballer and probably doesn't get the credit for that because think about it only five years ago he was worth four million euro now he's worth 50 million and he's probably worth more but like we've obviously seen the market over the last year it's it's deflated with with the coronavirus but before that um he he come on leaps and bounds really started out like as right back went on loan to Mallorca um played all over really at, at Mallorca as well on a loan spell there but but since then he's he's kind of got this defensive ability and intelligent build-up play in this game he's, he's really got the whole package for Arsenal fans to look forward to so um big big player lean but he's, he's very powerful wins wins battles in midfield as well so he never got a pay rise that he felt he deserved at Atletico and then with coronavirus hitting Atletico actually weren't able to afford to give him that pay rise so mm. he was frustrated he felt okay other players are getting this amount I'm not getting the same amount even though I'm a vital part of this team so he unfortunately has left the league. Uh, another player has moved to the Premier League from La Liga this this window. Well, you you know writing a little bit about that for for an upcoming magazine, just this exodus of people to to England. It seems to be that this is just the latest example of it, and it's it's kind of worrying, isn't it? It is. Yeah, we've seen obviously Semedo go to Wolves, Ferran Torres to Man City, Diego Llorente to Leeds. Uh, they're all they're all moving away and money talks in football so that's really what's happening here they, they can't compete with the wages uh, these these Spanish clubs just can't do it even before coronavirus a lot of clubs are in financial difficulty clubs like Sevilla and Villarreal have worked the market really well to their advantage they're well run clubs and, and they've been able to take advantage of a cheaper market but yeah we've, we've seen a lot of players leave but Arsenal have actually been chasing party for a few years he he's been he's been scouted there for a while. So when when the talks actually started with Arsenal, um, uh, a head of international scouting at Arsenal spoke to Party over lunch and spoke to him about his like preferred positions. Mm. And Party basically said that his preference is to operate as one of a pair of deep line midfielders, but that he could also play that base alone as well. So I think for Arteta, he'll be able to play him in in numerous positions, whether as a part of a double pivot or as like central mm. to a midfield three so he's, he's, he's going to give a lot of options to that midfield he's got that ball over the top as well that kind of dink through pass yeah uh, the, again Torreira just doesn't really have that sort of vision or ability to play those kind of passes he's, I'll be curious to see how Torreira does in Atletico what kind of what he will bring to the game but mm. that's something that Atletico are going to miss out on and that's something that will really favour Arsenal especially the speed of the strikers that they've got I think it's a brilliant Brilliant signing for them. Yeah, another Uruguayan with uh, Torreira coming in and after the signing of Suarez as well. So Diego Godin came out and said that he thinks Torreira's going to do really well at Atletico. So we'll see. He's 24, he's joining on loan. And you, you could imagine with party leaving that Torreira will, will go straight into the midfield there mm-hmm. and, and become an important member for this season. We will see, we will see. Uh, Barcelona let's talk about that they'll be a little bit disappointed with just how this finished because they did have their targets didn't they and nothing's really come off Memphis being the, the obvious one what happened with this why didn't it happen 
again, it, it came down to the finances. The club just couldn't afford it. And the Leon president came out and said that Barcelona president Bartomeu actually spoke to him and said that, listen, because of the coronavirus, we, we, can't, we can't make an offer for, for Depay. It, it was at the stage where Leon had sent the papers over to complete the deal. And Barca said, we, we don't have the finances. They wanted to sell Usman Dembele on a permanent deal to Manchester United. United didn't want to buy him on a permanent deal. They just wanted to loan him. And then on the final day of the window, Barcelona said, OK, we'll do a loan deal if Dembele agrees to extend in his contract by one year, which he didn't want to do. So that kind of fell through last minute. They wanted to sell Jean-Claire Toribo to Fulham were in with an 18 million euro bid, but the player didn't want to go to the Premier League and he ended up going on loan to Benfica. So there was no money coming in for Barcelona on the final day in order to push a move through. They also wanted Eric Garcia from Manchester City and they couldn't match what City were demanding. So again, that didn't happen. Garcia wanted to join Barcelona. City were, were ready for him to leave as well, but that didn't happen. But Iago Aspas, actually, a Celta Vigo player, pointed out that Barcelona had to let Rafinha, Rakitic, Suarez and Vidal all basically go for nothing mm. so they could save money on wages and that would fit inside the La Liga salary cap. So yeah, Aspas has given us good uh, information here as well. He's a clever boy, Aspas, isn't he? Yeah, he's, yeah. Not, he's not just a good footballer. No, like yeah. when you see him talking and stuff, like that, that show, La Resistencia, that you see some footballers on, like you really get to know them pretty yeah. well and like you can tell when they've got something about them. Yeah. Like uh, Parejo and, and Aspas was on it as well and mm. yeah, they come across very well. So I he knows his stuff. Maybe a future in punditry. Yeah. But, some interesting point about Rafinha... Uh, I think as well as, as, as the wages the, the, the insistence on getting Rafinha out of the door was to free up money for, for a deal involving Memphis you know this mm. is a, a point that's been made in the media so uh, not just from Aspas from, from various people um, Rafinha was very late in the day it was, that was yeah. like we were heading into the final hour at that stage so some people were suggesting it wasn't going to happen but he flew out to Paris and, and got it done but since Koeman has come in they've signed Serginho Dest from mm. Ajax have made a sign and, and they made some money from, from the Semedo deal that was 30 or 35 million from Wolves so some money came in but not enough in order to get the deals come in order to get the deals through and Koeman made it really clear in the last week that he wanted Garcia and that he wanted Depay so they could still possibly come we've only got an, a window around the corner in January mm. and in December clubs are going to start talking again about possible transfers so in no time We'll be back talking about all these transfers. <laughs> well, we're talking a little bit about the football. Dest did, did play the other day, but he played left-back. Alba's injured. Mm. Um, he's obviously come in as a replacement for, for Semedo slash uh, uh, a fill-in for Roberto when he's not there. But he ended up playing left-back the other day. Had an alright game. It was a good game to watch. It was The two goals came, in, came within three minutes of each other, the 8th and the 10th, mm. um, against Sevilla. 1-1. Game of sort of two forgotten men, I would say. Luke de Jong, again, banging in the goal against a big team. And then Coutinho popping up with the, with the equaliser. I thought this was a, a really good game to watch. What did you what did you make of it? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought Sevilla were excellent and perhaps should have won. I thought they, they pressed really hard and made life very difficult for Barcelona. They, they couldn't they couldn't play it out from the back at all. Pique was joined with... Um, Araujo at centre half and it just wasn't really working for those two Alba looks like a new player under Koeman but he obviously went off injured and as you said Dest came in and looked pretty lively on his debut at, at left back he's actually a right back 
but yeah, Barca midfield couldn't get it couldn't get it playing at all. They seemed overcrowded. Lopetegui had his tactics spot on, and De Jong and Busquets were every time they got on the ball, did no real clear vision going forward. Coutinho was uh, was surprisingly good. He 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 got a goal, and he's getting that kind of attacking midfield role ahead of Busquets and De Jong under Koeman. So perhaps he's got newfound confidence Messi was quiet had a couple of good chances but you know when Messi's quiet Barcelona tend to be quiet and and that's the way it was but again Sevilla were brilliant and they they haven't lost the game in, in 25 games so they're on a, this crazy run since February they're Europa League champions and it seems like they're just kicking off exactly from from where they left off at and Lopetegui was actually in the stands he had his airpods in Possibly listening to some Basque rock. Oh. I'm not sure what he was listening to. Some Chalaparta. Have, have you ever heard the Chalaparta? It's like the... Yeah. It's, it's, it's music goes back thousands of years. Lopetegui is very Basque. He's very Basque. Have you ever yeah. seen that photo of him and his dad and his brother? And his dad is like... His dad looks like he's about seven foot tall and he's holding his, his him and his brother in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the most Basque ever. Um, yeah. But no... Very as a manager, I think he brings in a, a certain amount of organisation. We we've seen this over the last year, and that performance the other day against Barcelona was just everything you come to expect of a of a Lopetegui team. Serious organisation. I thought um, Fernando in centre apart for him, absolutely excellent. Just bossed it in in the middle, and Kounde seems to be getting better uh, every week. So you can see why he he's on the radar of some uh, of some bigger teams. And he's cut out the sort of carelessness out of his game that the, that we saw maybe at the beginning of last season. For he's a very young guy, Kunde. So they've got a, a a bit of maturity about them. They can go to places like the camp now and and put out a performance like that. Thing is, can they do it for the rest of the season? This is the big question. Whenever a team like this starts well, can they do it for the rest of the season? Well, they they maintained their consistency right through last season, and and they finished in the Champions League spot. So I think they can do it. I think that they've they've bought well. They've they've brought in Ivan Rakitic, club legend, has returned after six years at Barca. Marcos Acuna has come in at left back from Sporting Lisbon. They needed to find a left back because Sergio Reguilón, who was excellent for them last season, has gone to Tottenham Hotspur. He was a Real Madrid player, obviously, and his loan deal had expired at Sevilla. So they've recruited really well. They've brought in. Uh, Rekic as well from Hertha Berlin during the week so he'll add solidity to their their centre-back pairing of Carlos and Kunde. I can't really see Rekic getting in there because the two boys at centre-back are exceptional yeah. and they've built this relationship over the last year but again you look at these signings from Monchi and every time he signs someone for like under 10 million you're thinking this is another gem it's a gem, it's a yeah. gem again here we go he's going to sell Kunde next summer for massive money to Man City perhaps mm. and then Rakic will go in and he'll do the same thing in two or three years so it's just a constant cycle with Monchi but Sevilla look really really good and Joan Jordan centre midfielder spoke after the game against Barcelona and he was he was gutted he was he's like we should have taken our chances I know it's early on in the season and we've, we've such a long season ahead of us but he was. He said, we, "We've we've come here to win. Obviously, you know it's the camp now, but we're that confident at the moment. We've got a super strong squad, and you could see that when they were when they were making changes. Like they've got they've got an excellent squad. So yeah, I think they'll they should be in the Champions League places again this season, and it's it's a very exciting time for Sevilla. Yeah, it always is at the start of the season for Sevilla, and you just wonder if they can ever if they can ever maintain it but they've got they've got a bit of experience there now and you've got people who have been there and done it like Rakitic 
Uh, and and the, the mainstay of the squad is a, is a Europa League winning squad as mm. well. So I think it could be very interesting for them. Um, we were talking before about whether they were they, they could win the league. You know, you never know with these things, can you? And obviously anybody coming outside the big two or the big the big three. Perhaps, probably still too light up front with Luke de Young's with his record last season just not being good enough. If if he can hit the heights this season, they could ch- they could challenge. Look how he finished last season. Mm. You know, he bangs in bangs in a goal against United, bangs in two against Inter Milan in the Europa League final. He's 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 obviously a, a, a top player if, he, if if he's if he's at that level. But he wasn't doing it against the little teams, yeah. and you just wonder, okay, he just scored the goal at the camp now. Can he do it away to Abar? Someone <laughs> who they, they've managed to hold on to, and I think they were actually looking to to let go, is Carlos Fernandez, who led the line brilliantly for Granada last season and scored, mm. scored 14 goals for Granada on loan from Sevilla so I was surprised that he was linked with moves away but he, he he's looking for first team football mm. but the fact that they've kept him he could come in as a sub or a starter and and really score goals for them because he looks really exciting he's, mm. he's one to watch yeah okay let's talk a bit about Real Madrid we've got the Glasgow coming up not too far from now uh, end of this month the 25th I think it is of uh, this month Hazard looks like he's likely to miss out on that when he's picked up another injury which is not going to curry favour with the Real Madrid fans who are already critical of the guy's fitness um, what's the situation with, with Azar? Yeah, since arriving in Madrid in 2019 he's picked up six injuries so he's had a nightmare start and the last goal he scored was on October 19th so he's gone he's gone 365 days um Almost, sorry, almost one year, just scoring one goal. So it's not it's not ideal for him. And I was reading a stat, and in his entire career before moving to La Liga, he actually only missed 24 games. That was with Lille and with Chelsea. And since moving to Madrid, he's missed 27 games. So he, he just can't find any luck at the moment. He was in the squad to go to Real Betis last week, and he basically went into the medical staff the morning before they were due to travel, and he said... I, I've picked up a muscular injury and, and, and I'm out and they're basically trying not to rush him back because he's had such a nightmare between his ankle surgery in March and now this again so this is this will rule him out for a month the classical as you said is at the end of the month he probably won't be ready for it and you probably wouldn't want someone coming back from injury no. right in for a classical no no it's, it's not it's not the right time to come back is no. it you want, him, you want him to have a few games under his belt mm. very very frustrating he's going to be the uh, a target if things go wrong it's incredible that the, that that stat you just gave about the fact that before signing from Madrid, he's one of these guys you would sign knowing that he's going to turn up every week, knowing yeah. that he's going to stay fit, and all of a sudden it's, it's yeah, you've invested a hundred million euro, and you think here we go, we're guaranteed goals and assists. Yeah, Zidane seems to think he should change his diet. I read that. I, th- I think it was in El Desmarque newspaper. Uh, said that, or the the magazine, sorry, said that uh, Zidane's a, a big fan of reducing your red meat consumption, and apparently Azar's quite a big fan of eating red meat. So I don't know. Do you have any opinions on that? I, I don't eat red meat, you don't so eat red meat at all. I, I I understand where Zidane's coming from, but yeah, I think we've seen Hazard in preseason, and he, he likes to put on weight. Yeah, and it's true. He does come back. He comes bit, back. Bit heavy. Yeah, relatively heavy, but then he always gets rid of the few kilos within crazy time frames like 10 days and then he kind of laughs about the summer of, of eating whatever he wanted or having a few drinks Yeah. Um, but this time around he's just been really unfortunate and the fact that we've been losing big players from the league you'd like to see Hazard back hmm. pretty soon but Real Madrid went through the whole window 
without signing any players for the first time since 1981. So a long time for them. And normally they're like leading the the way for signings, but Galacticos and big signings like Hazard coming in, but this summer it wasn't to be. Uh, but they still won at the weekend and they're top of the table. Yeah, it's incredible that, that, that they're doing that. And people are, are, are asking, is this part of a new new policy from Real Madrid? Because, okay, you could say it's a reaction to the coronavirus situation. They are trying to keep spending down. Uh, there's reports of it of the, the, the number that they want to cut from the budget has been around 200 uh, million euros That's so if you if you want to cut that much money from a budget having a more modest transfer policy might be an alright place to start because what are we used to seeing at Real Madrid over the last few years massive signings a massive budget and if they're starting to kind of reduce that little bit or move away from it uh, it, it might be a good idea it's not in their DNA though, is it? And it's certainly not in Florentino Perez's uh, DNA. It's completely, it's just the opposite of what we come to expect from them. Do you think the Real Madrid fans will 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 struggle to adapt to this kind of thing of not signing these top players every single summer as, as they have done under under Perez? Not if they save the money to buy Kylian Mbappe next season. Yeah. I think I think he'll be forgiven. So you don't so you don't think it's going to be a long term thing? This you think it's probably a, a short term reaction to the, yeah, the coronavirus? Yeah. I think so. I think they're they're investing really well in youth and they've a lot of players coming through and that that led them having to having a huge squad last season yeah but I think the likes of Hakimi going out to Inter the likes of that might frustrate fans because they're 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 trying to generate revenue but Hakimi went to Inter for 40 million which was big money during during coronavirus but he's a he's a, a, a top player top young European player coming through and You've seen with Carvajal out injured and Audrey Athola out injured as well that basically they've gone to Nacho now, like third choice right back. So it can come back to haunt you. Mm. Um, but in general they have they have some very good talent coming through and pre- a pretty young a pretty young team when you look at it, especially when you, you look at the likes of Valverde, uh, Vinicius, Rodrigo. There's a there's a lot of talent there. First first team. Odegaard. Talent. Odegaard. Yeah. You get guys to come back as well. Stavios yeah. is, is is a way of say Arsenal. Yeah. Kubo is uh, he he's part of the, the these eleven guys that they've just signed in recent years. Mm. Combined total of one hundred and seventy five point seven million euros, mm. and uh, all signed under the age of twenty. So that's very mm. much building a squad for the future. And if yeah. they're thinking of money, if you're purely thinking about money, that that money is since shot up in terms of market value to, to over uh, 350 million so yeah. if they're looking to make money they, they could maybe ship off some of these guys yeah they've got they've got a very good recruitment system with Juni Califat the, the South American scout he's basically like their head of international recruitment and he, he's able to look after these younger players coming through and snap them up from Brazilian clubs particularly Flamengo like mm. we've seen with Vinicius Junior and Rodrigo both coming out of that club uh, Renier, Renier he, he's yeah. gone to Dortmund on loan for two seasons so they're, they're, they're finding these gems but at the same time they're still adding big names like Hazard and possibly Mbappe to come yeah. so you know they're, they're doing they're doing the business on both fronts young yeah. players and Galacticos yeah it's been very we, we've been kind of having a laugh at, at Zidane in, in the press conferences in the last few the last few weeks and things because they've been they've been mind-numbingly boring really haven't they He's, he doesn't really give much away but that's kind of exactly what the board will want him to do he just wants to talk about the football and he, he's sort of earned himself the right over the last three years uh, or four years to, to do that to, to, to focus things on the football and to say you know controls the press is, is an exaggeration but he's he certainly does so more than other managers he yeah. can't he can't just say to them listen I don't want to talk about that there was a very 
funny video the other the other day of Zidane leaving his press conference after the Real Valladolid one 0 win, uh-huh. and someone someone just gets him leaving the conference, and he's talking to the media officer, and he says "Qué pesados." He's talking <laughs> really? about the, the the press, the press, and and the media, and he's saying how annoying, like the, yeah. these lads, these questions that are, they're asking me, and he doesn't like to be asked, and he gives very very straightforward answers. See if he said that "Qué pesados," like pesados, like a pain in the neck or a pain in the ass. Like yeah. if you, if he'd said that in his first first year there I don't think he would have been given much um, no would have been viewed very imagine if Koeman came out and said that for example just no. now but he's so well respected Zidane he, that's he, it he's won Champions League he's won La Liga titles he's been a phenomenal player so yeah. he's got this aura even if he says nothing he's still got this special aura yeah um, okay let's have a just a quick look back because we, we don't have any fixtures to look forward to so we'll have a quick look back at uh, the results from this weekend um, just going to, to Atletico uh, they have a problem again. It's two, two games in a row. No goals. No no draw against Villarreal. No no draw against Huesca. The Simeone did try and change it up a little bit. He changed it up in the in the in the center of the park. Uh, that was Tomas's last game just there. But presumably Torreira's going to come in now and play with Koke. But the real problem is scoring goals. You know, sc- sc- uh, scoring goals up front. Felix and Suarez just uh, they're not really combining well. They've been quite bad to watch as well. It just seems like last season is repeating, this, uh, is repeating itself. What's going on at Atletico? I don't know, because they won 6-1 against Granada yeah. on the opening day, and Suarez and Joao Felix were phenomenal, and everybody was getting excited. and Us, us included. Yeah, so, <laughs> and, and they've got attacking options. They, like The other day, they brought on Costa, Carrasco, Llorente to, to try and find something, to try and spark a bit of life into the team but it didn't happen but you have to remember that they're playing against a, a good Villarreal team as well and we all know that they, they needed to add goals a bit like Sevilla Atletico needed to add goals Luis Suarez is a goal scorer so I'm sure he's going to have a good season I, I have I have faith in him scoring goals this year but I think Villarreal with uh, Pau Torres and Albiol there two two very good centre-backs and obviously going forward Paco Alcaf there uh, my Gomez, Jared Moreno, they've lots of quality. So it's not the worst result, and it, we're only a few games in. So Atletico could still kick on in front of goal, but it's a problem that they've had for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is yeah. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how that develops as well. But yeah, I suppose it is a new team, and you've got a new a new focal point there in Suarez, and we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Uh, another thing that we actually almost forgot to talk about this, uh, it's a very important issue today, Valencia lost against Betis, but nobody's really talking about that just now because of the situation with Javi Gracia. Now, at the time we're recording, we don't really know what's going on with the manager, but he's not happy. We know he's had a meeting with the, with the, the president. Why is he not happy? What's going on? No signings. Yeah, Valencia and Real Madrid are the only two clubs in La Liga without any signings this transfer window. So Gracia came in two months ago and has basically spoken in his press conference and said, yeah, we're, we're going to sign somebody, even if it's the last day. We, we hope to sign players because we need people to come in. Because you have to remember, they've lost Danny Parejo, Coquelin, they've lost Ferran Torres and Rodrigo Moreno to Man City and Leeds. And it's a depleted squad, it's a young squad, and they just don't have the resources there. Uh, there was a meeting this morning at half ten between Gracia and club president Anil Murthy, and it was basically requested on transfer deadline day by Gracia. He, he wants to meet, 
but it, it looks like he doesn't actually trust Murty and why would you you've come to a club and for two months you've been scratching your head there's no communication between the president and Gracia he said that when they flew to Celta Vigo uh, a couple of weeks ago that was that was the first real chat he'd had with him since joining the club so at, at board level there's nothing really coming down to managerial level Gracia feels like he's on his own and, and basically the meeting this morning was that he, I want to speak to Peter Lim. I want to speak to the club owner to see what direction he, he sees this going in because they're trying to set up a video call because he feels like he needs to bypass Murty as president and just go straight to the owner and say, listen, this is a shambles. Yeah. And he probably knew coming in, but the magnitude of of the club, like it's a huge club, Valencia. And he probably, he, he's seen, we, we've all seen what's happened over the last couple of years with different managers and, and their transfer policy and everything so it, it has been an absolute mess and maybe he just thought okay it's it's too big to turn down yeah the train doesn't stop twice and I'm gonna I'm gonna get on this one so the, the thing is mo- most people with a vague idea of what has been going on in Valencia for the last little while would probably look at this situation and think why is Gracia surprised slash angry at this because if you take over that job you know that you're not going to get the right investment. Uh, the Marcelino had the same problem, and he was very vocal about it, complained about it, and that's yeah. basically why I got the sack. And I don't really understand why he's come into this and expecting anything different. The only conclusion is that he was probably not told the truth at some kind of meeting at some stage. I don't think it's too much speculation to say that he probably was promised something on some level mm. to do with to do with transfers. Otherwise, he wouldn't be so angry about this. But I think that would explain his, his indignation. Yeah, he, he didn't turn up for training this morning because he had the meeting. So his assistant, Juan Soya, he, he took over at Paterna and, and the, the players trained away. And it hasn't been the worst start to the season for them, even though like off the field it's, it's a disaster. But yeah, it's a huge gig for Gracia. I mean, if you can get Valencia right, it's got that potential. Uh, you know, it's, it's won league titles mm. with Rafa Benitez and it's, it's played on the European front for years, Champions League finals and, and, and different achievements, Copa del Rey last year. So it's a huge club with a huge fan base, but it's a... It's just it's sad to see a club this big being unfairly treated. Yeah, no, it is as well, and it's uh, it's not the longest suffering fan base in Spain. There are ones that have been suffering longer. Your your Real Zaragozas and and all that, but yeah, Real Oviedo. Yeah, Oviedo, but you know they're they're up there certainly in terms of the of the, the big teams that, that did have high expectations and the last few years have been pretty. Um, pretty bleak maybe with the exception of the Copa del Rey when that was a kind of ray of sunshine in, in the midst of all that but it's been pretty grim for the last little while and the the, the president is arguably just as unpopular as, as uh, Peter Lim is because mm. he's he, he comes out with this attitude and that he, he he always says in these press conferences when he's asked questions ah it is what it is describing you know are you going to sign anybody no it is what it is it's his answer to absolutely everything he says the same phrase and I think the fans are just tired of hearing that same excuse every single time and probably Gracia is, is in the same boat so who knows by the time you listen to this maybe he's gone who knows what's happened but the fact that he's not taking training today is, that is quite worrying Yeah so Valencia journalist Hector Gomez has literally just come out in the last few minutes and said that Gracia is going to make a decision between today and tomorrow okay. so that's pending at the moment So if you listen to this on Friday or later you, you know what the answer is yeah. <laughs> you know what the answer is already Oh well, it's all good. Well, we've got a little international break coming up. Uh, we'll probably be here next week to talk about something. There yeah. will be news. We'll be back. There's always news. Yeah. There's always news. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you again next week. Adios. Bye-bye.